0: listening to audio from Oasis Church in Winter Haven, Florida. For more information about Oasis Church, please visit our website at www.oasischurchwh.org. And thanks so much for listening. But we're glad you're here. We're in, actually we're right in the middle of a break that we're taking from our norm. Those of you who are around here, you know kind of how we go about uh, preaching and teaching. We'll pick a book, and then we'll camp out in that book of Scripture, and we'll just work our way through it a little bit at the time. We just got finished with over 70 sermons. In the book of Luke, the Gospel of Luke. I don't apologize for that. That's fun for me. We learned a lot about Luke and there was so much that we didn't have time to learn uh, and so much that I didn't know to tell you. So maybe we'll hit that again uh, at some point in, uh, in time in my history here because uh, I don't plan to go anywhere. So we'll have time to get there uh, again at some point. But we're taking a little break, a four-week little aside Because we're at the beginning of a new school year, which I know January marks the beginning of the calendar year. But by the time we get to January, we're halfway through with the school year, we're already into our routine. So we always just kind of think about the fall as the new year because everyone's getting back into their normal post-summer routine. And we just feel like that's a good time to just be reminded of some important things. And so we're spending these last few weeks and the, this one and, and one more considering those things about who we are as a church when it comes to the idea of discipleship. And we argue all the time that Matthew 28, 19 and 20, Where Jesus looks at his apostles and those others that are gathered on that hillside and he said to them, I want you to go and make disciples of all the nations. And as as they come to faith in who I am and the message that you uh, give to them, they become believers in the crucified and risen Messiah, then I want you to baptize them and I want you to train them in the things that I've trained you. I want you to teach them those things that I've shown you and I'm going to be with you all the way to the end of that age and that's your job. So we believe that Jesus gave that command, that commission if you will, to all followers of Jesus to make disciples and when folks come to know Jesus, we're to teach them the things that Jesus has taught through His Word and by extension in the Old Testament as well. We at Oasis Church boil that activity down to two words. We say that Jesus has called every believer, help me out class, to reach and teach. We're to reach people with the message of Jesus Christ crucified in their place and raised victorious over sin and death and, and proving that their justification has been provided for if by faith they will trust in Jesus and Jesus alone as their Lord and Savior. We believe that when they are reached with the gospel through the work of God and the, the power of His Word, that then we are to teach them those things that Christ has taught us, and that God has revealed to us in his word. So we're thinking about the idea of discipleship at Oasis Church. Now, we believe this is what true discipleship looks like everywhere, although different wordings and phrasings might be used. At the end of the day, every Christian's been called to reach and teach. And we're kind of taking that idea of reach and teaching and, and we're explaining the well, how are we going to do that? Well, how we're going to reach people with the gospel? Are you ready? We've got to communicate the gospel to them. We've got to provide. It's not just going to happen by osmosis. You know, they're not going to, you can't throw a, you know, a rag on them and all of a sudden they get it by extension. No, we've got to present them truth. God has to enlighten their, their thinking and their heart. Whatever that looks like, because I'm not God and I don't know how to explain that. But He's got to open their eyes and then they'll receive if they'll trust in Him by faith, they can be brought from death to light, from uh, death to life, from darkness to light. They can be born and adopted in the family of God if they'll just receive the gospel. But then the process of teaching them and helping them to walk with their Lord. It's what we're calling these next four weeks, kind of the the process of discipleship on our little wheel here. You you know, we've already talked about the puzzle piece up at the top. The first thing we try to encourage and provide for opportunities for believers to do is to connect. We argued that God has uniquely designed humanity for community. He never designed us to be hermits or lone rangers. He designed us to fit together with one another. Sin broke that all apart. Sin broke us and and where we're trying to connect, we're wanting to force our will on others. And what what God provides in redemption is, is bringing us into right thinking and right understanding of who we are through a redeemed mind, and he shows us that we're still designed to connect together. And if we're followers of Jesus, we're uniquely designed to connect and represent the body of Christ on earth. If you didn't have a chance to hear our message on connect, I want to encourage you, and it's always available online at our YouTube channel, to listen to anything that we do on a Sunday morning. And I would always want you to want to stay up to date with what we're doing, but if you call Oasis your church, then I want you to go back and make sure that before we get to next week that you've gone back and you listen to what it means to connect we provide opportunities through life groups and other life group extension type things for people to be connected because that's how God made you that's what you need and that's what we need from you apart from connection you won't become what Jesus wants you to become and, and, and to the most effectiveness of how he wants to use you. So we encourage you to connect. And then last week, we talked about once we get followers of Jesus connected, then we wanted them to understand that they have been uniquely gifted by God through these things called grace gifts, spiritual gifts given to us, supernatural abilities that give individual believers the ability to, to do ministry in a specific way with, with very much ease and effectiveness once you know what your gift is and you've worked on developing it. Then when you deploy it, you find that, that you're getting up to the plate knowing how to do what you're called to do and that's to jack that thing out of the outfield. Or to pitch that thing that can't no one hit. Or run those bases like no one's ever seen. You know what you're specifically designed for. Once you learn what your gift is, you begin to develop that by God's work in you. Then he prepares you to use what he's given you for his glory. The building of the kingdom. Every follower of Jesus has a spiritual gift. Go back last week and listen to our message on SERVE. We have a tool that we would like for everybody at Oasis Church to be exposed to, a a teaching series that takes the spiritual gift passages in the New Testament and, and organizes them in such a way. Now, what I might not have made clear last week is that I don't believe that this tool, which is the Your Divine Design series by Chip Ingram, I don't believe that that one is the right one and all others are false. I'm just saying there's a lot of different ways and interpretations and thinkings about spiritual gifts. I just think personally... That Chip Ingram's explanation of the passages is the most accurate to my understanding of our theology, how we understand Scripture as a whole. And he provides a set of, of words and phrases of, of ways of thinking about gifts that I would like for us all to be able to utilize for ease and communication and understanding. So even if you've already done your spiritual gift inventory, you've taken your test or whatever that is, we'd love for for you to watch those eight sessions and just get that understanding so that when I ask you certain things using certain language you'll understand what I'm talking about because ultimately we want you to discover how God's gifted you so that you can begin to serve in a way that you'll be passionate about and that God will use you to be incredibly effective in. But then toward the end of the sermon, we reminded you that, that just because you're on the team because of how you can hit that baseball doesn't mean that you don't also run the bases. It doesn't mean that you don't also play in the outfield. It doesn't mean that you don't also help pick up the sunflower seeds in the dugout after the game is over. There are multiple ways in which a gifted individual can serve and be utilized on the team. And we provided you a host of opportunities at Oasis Church where you can plug in and use your gift in a very specific way but you can also plug into areas that you might not think are especially wired for your gift but that's okay we need help picking up sunflower seeds and you have an opportunity to be a part in serving for god's glory the building up of one another we got to connect if we're going to be a body that's built up, and we've got to serve if we're going to be a body that's built up, and you've got to do that individually if we are going to be successful at it collectively. Today, we're going to talk about the third step on our discipleship wheel. We begin connecting. We begin serving. And now we're going to talk about growing. Growing. Now this is true of all of these four, I don't know what you call them, they're like anchor points of this ministry. They're anchor ideas that we're just always going to be talking about and always going to be encouraging you for. What I'm going to say is true about all of them, but it's specifically true about this idea. There is a a phenomenon going on in recent years uh, in Hollywood and it's called the superhero genre of movies and now television shows and it's just they're everywhere. The superheroes everywhere. And there's one particular thing about the superheroes, specifically the male superheroes, That come on the big screen, it's typical, if they're going to be a superhero on the screen, they've got to have a whole lot of, a whole lot of what? You know it, Chad, a lot of muscles, right? I mean, so, the, the bigger the muscles... The cooler the hero, right? And so that's what we've grown accustomed to. And what's funny is, is that you see actors show up in a superhero character and they just got muscles going everywhere. And you're like, man, I I know good and well that I saw you on a TV series and you were the fat guy. How in the world is it that now you're this... Ripped specimen of humanity. How in the world is this possible? I heard one of those guys on a late-night talk show say to the host who asked him that question How is it man? No offense, but you've never been that Muscle-bound guy before how in the world do you get there and and in so many words not a direct quote this actor said you know what? This guy is in everybody All you got to do is have the right person giving you the right things to eat and the right times of day to work out. And if they'll pay you to do it, then it's a (laughs) no-brainer. You know, and I got to thinking about that. You you know, that, generally speaking, that is true, right? I mean, if, if we had someone... That, that was paying us not only to live our life, but to live nice lives. And all we had to do was to get up and eat what was on the plate set before me and go through the gym routine that that person was waiting there for me, and to go through that for as many months or weeks as they're telling me to do that, chances are great a lot of what that actor said is going to be true. We're not going to look like this. We're going to look a whole lot more fit, a whole lot more strong. We're going to be defined because if we we give our body what our body wants to look like that, then we can look like that. Why don't we look like that? I'm going to tell you why. Because we like tacos, my friend. That's why. <laughs> amen. Can I get a amen on top. Ta- they're not the only ones, but they're the best. Shameless plug for them, but that's what it says on their truck. Look, we like tacos, my friend. We like putting our feet up at night and preferably with a bowl of ice cream on a pillow. That's eight, that's a, a Angie raising the roof on that one. That's what we like. We don't like to run. We might have a gym membership. We just don't like to use the gym membership. And quite frankly, we don't have the time nor the resources to buy that kinds of food, prepare it. Our kids won't like it. Prepare them something else. And then do, we just don't, we look, we go, yep, okay, it, he's in there. Y'all just ain't ever going to see him. Why? Because there are too many other things that I like more. When it comes to growth, I believe that the New Testament says over and reinforces over and over that every follower of Christ has been given not only a spiritual deposit, a spiritual gift, but we have something better than a physical personal trainer. We have the person of the Holy Spirit residing with us. You know who the Holy Spirit is. He is one of the persons of a three-person God. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And somehow, I don't know how it works. And if somebody tells you they know how it works, then they're telling you something they really don't know, but want you to believe. I don't know how it's possible for the Holy Spirit to be resident with me. And be resident in Bill at the exact same time. And you know what? That's been, you say, well Bill lives here in Winter Haven. That makes sense. When Bill came to know Christ in Chicago, the Holy Spirit was dwelling within him in the same way even though they were so many miles away. And all across this world, how is it that God the Holy Spirit can reside within all believers. I don't know, but Jesus says, I got to go, so he'll come, because I'm just in flesh in one place at one time. But when the Comforter comes, he's going to be able to be with all y'all at all places at all times. You want me to go, so he'll come. So we have the person of the Holy Spirit better than a trainer. Would it be fair to say everything we need to be a ripped, chiseled follower of Jesus is within us, resident? You go, absolutely. The person, the person of God, the Holy Spirit, resides within us. But just like the gym membership and just like the, the food list, and I won't take that to Publix. So I'll come out spending four times more than I want. I want the additives and the and the, you know, the stuff in it. I don't want to re- that costs too much. And so what we end up doing is staying out of shape in the same way when we don't step into with a commitment to what the work of the spirit is doing in us, we stunt our growth or we stay Unhealthy followers of Jesus. So we're going to talk about what it means to grow, but understand it's not exactly like what you see with your children as They grow There are similarities, but it's a little different. We're we're going to see the command to grow We're going to see the construct of growth and then we're going to talk about the commitment to growth and again we're going to be all over the, the page on, on passages of Scripture. Y'all know that ain't what I really like. I don't prefer that, but I'm just trying to build an argument as to why we focus on your growth and how we think about your growth. So if you'll just bear with me and allow me to identify a few passages of Scripture that, that talk to this. The first one that I want to talk about is found in 1 Peter chapter number 3, verse number 18. Peter, writing to the churches that are scattered abroad, the apostle Peter, he's, 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 been, he's been talking to them and warning them about false teachers, which, if I'll just go ahead and tell you, we've got this week and next week and then the first week of September, I think we're going to spend a few weeks in Second Peter. I think what Second Peter has to say is very relevant to our time today. He's talking to the churches about being aware of false teachers and not getting caught up in things that aren't true. And he says to them that they need to take care that they're not carried away by some By some random teaching that's not connected to what God's Word says. And then he follows up with the last verse in 2 Peter. He says, but what you need to do is grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory both now and to the end or to the day of eternity. That word grow is an imperative of something that you're supposed to do. Now, you bring the baby home, and we see pictures, and oh, it's wonderful. And, and mom will take a picture on the blanket, you know, the blanket that shows the months, and then they'll lay the baby on the month, and I'm this old, and I learned how to do it. We, we expect there to be a difference between the length of the child at month one as to month four. Why? Because just naturally, we grow. Nobody looks at their child you know, wakes them up in the morning and says, now listen, I need you to get busy about growing. There's some things you need to be doing today because you need to grow. Now listen to me. If I come back here tonight and you haven't grown, you're gonna, you and I are gonna have a conversation. You don't, you don't do that, right? Because you go, because baby number one, all they hear is blah, 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 right? And they look, smile, or cry, what they're gonna do. They have no ability to affect their growth. So why is it that God is telling believers to be active about their growth. I think that's because we have everything that we need in the person of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians tells us we've got everything hidden in the glories that God has provided for everything He's ever going to ask us to do. But what we've got to do is step into that. Like having the trainer like having the, the, the resources that we need, like having the plate of food in front of us that will be healthy, make us strong, give us direction, we've got to get up out of the bed. We've got to not go grab the box of frosted mini-wheats. We've got to stay out of the frappe line. <laughs> anyway, that was a jab. We've got to stay out of the, the, the line at the, at the McDonald's and, and we look. You say, well, well, I can't do that. Yeah, you do. You got it in front of you. You got him beside you. You got all the resources you need. You got to step into it. God says, I want you to step into this. I want you to step into what I've provided. And if you will, I will cause your growth. Let's talk about what it says in Philippians. Um, You know what? Let's don't. Let's wait a minute. Let me tell you some more things, then we'll get there. This idea of a command to grow. Since God commanded, we, we believe that it's therefore our responsibility to push in that direction for you. The Oasis Church mission statement is this. You're going to say, reach and teach. No, no, that's, that's just the words we use. Our mission statement, I know, I'm making it real confusing. But our mission statement is this. Oasis Church exists to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. That's our mission. If if what we do does not have a a connection to leading people in a growing relationship with Jesus, then we got to quit it. Because that's our mission. That's what we've been called to do. Reach and teach. Yeah, lead people into a growing relationship. We've got to lead them. We're reaching and teaching. That first step is, is connecting. Next step is serving. The next one is promoting them to grow. Coming alongside believers and reminding them that they have the responsibility to step into their own growth. So I'm going to build this construct of growth and there are a number of passages that we could have used. I'm Just taking a sampling of some to just give you an idea of this, of, of what it means to To grow, to be growing, to mature as a follower of Jesus. Number one, growth is God's activity in us as we respond obediently to His Word. Philippians 2, verses 12 through 13 says this, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, now Paul's in prison, Paul's writing back to the church in the city of Philippi, He says, as you've always obeyed, so now, not not only when I'm there, but, but much more in my absence, here's what I need you to be doing. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Because, verse 13, verse 13 says, because it's God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Paul says, when I'm with you and I say, let's don't do this, let's do it, and you're willing to obey, okay, I'll do what you say. Yeah, well, Whatever you say, Paul, what would should do next? Well, we shouldn't do any more of that, guys. That, that, that That's part of our pagan life. We shouldn't do that anymore. Let's, we're dead to that. Let's begin to, you've always been willing to do what I've said, but I'm not there. I'm not there, and and really that's not all that healthy in the long run for you to wait on somebody else who's just like you to tell you what to do because eventually they're going to tell you something that doesn't need to be done and you're going to think it is and you're going to fall off the track and, and it goes on endlessly. He says what you need to do is recognize that it is God in you who is fueling your will. He's fueling your want. He's fueling those desires in you. And he's pushing you to do those things. Have you ever sat on the couch and had just these wrestling conversations with yourself about what you ought to be doing? I mean, you're, you're on your own real number, 203 of Instagram. Kids know what I'm talking about. You watching these reels or, you're on the 230th little two-second or five-second video, and you're going, "I probably ought to be getting up." I probably shouldn't have been sitting here for the last 30 minutes. I, that, you know what? I'm about to run out of time to do the things I'm supposed to do. Not nearly an amount of time to do what I was wanting to do. You, you know, you have these conversations. You want to do what you're supposed to do, but did you see this cat? I mean, he just... And then they jump and they kiss. I, let's see what the next one is. Okay? I don't... I'm talking for y'all. I don't watch cat videos. But anyway. I like the guys on the motorcycles who do funny things. But anyway. We have these wrestles. Why? Because internally, we know what we should be doing, and we're wrestling. Paul says, look, God is at work within you, and and he's busy about adjusting your will to him, and he's trying to push you toward putting it to practice. Step into that. Look, there's a much thinner guy in here than I am. And you know what it's gonna take? Getting off the couch and going and pushing a little weight, going and doing a little walking, maybe a little jogging, probably not a lot of running, but I'm just getting mobile. I gotta step into, I gotta work out my own salvation. I've gotta work out what God's already doing in here, out there. Well, how do I know what God's doing in here? Well, he tells us all about read, teach, i learn what God is saying. It's all connected to God's Word. He says in 1 Peter, chapter number 2, verses 2 through 5, he gives this uh, little illustration. He says, like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk. Now, for most of my life, I heard that. Like newborn infants long for spiritual milk, then you're supposed to do something. No, no. Peter says, Like newborn infants do, you are to long for the spiritual milk because that's the imperative verb right there. You're you're to long for something. Like, how do I do that? It's this idea of developing an appetite for something. Any of you ever, the first time you tasted like like there's something you enjoy right now, but the first time you tasted it, you didn't enjoy it. There's something out there. Because you saw somebody else enjoy it. Look, if if you've ever grown up as a high schooler and and watched those kids and and they were drinking things that you, they weren't supposed to be drinking and so were you and you wanted to try it and you tried it and you went, that's awesome, you know good and well you was lying. You know that. That's a lie, right? I mean, just outright. But I'd be willing to bet that if you're a coffee drinker in here, the chances are great the very first cup of coffee you drank you didn't go wow this is glorious you know why well, I could turn your mouth inside out right and that's why we start dumping what in it cream and sugar you know in the coffee Well, if I gotta put so much sugar in it why drink it right because I'm trying to get ki- before long you start going oh I just love that and the kid come along And I know your taste change. There are things that I like that I didn't like because my taste buds changed. It's that idea of, okay, this goes against everything that I want, but it's what I need, and so therefore I'm going to do it. I've spoken to many who love to run. I don't know what has to happen to a person's brain to love to run, but chances are great they didn't start running and just love it They got to a place where they, you know, they worked through the pain of running. And then they, I hear runners say that you you find this sweet spot where you're just like, okay, it doesn't hurt my side anymore. My breathing's regulated. I could just run, you know, just endlessly. And they go, it's kind of euphoric. You know, it says, you know, endorphins going and I'm just excited and all that. Okay, well, I've never got there. (laughs) But I've also never decided to develop a love for running there's some things i've decided to have a love for and i have a taste for and i have an appetite for peter says you've got to develop a ta- there is a hunger in you but it's only gonna go so far you've got to develop that longing for it. And that's going to come from your continued obedience. What does he say? He says, verse 4, as you come to him, who? A living stone. What's he talking about? That stone rejected by men. Oh! He must be talking about who? Jesus. Jesus. As you come to Jesus, the living stone chosen by God and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up As a spiritual house, to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus. That passage right there deserves like a whole sermon breaking that thing down. It's so rich. The point we pull from that is that we are being built up as we come to Jesus. As we get out of the bed and deny those other things and we come to Him then we are being built up by the chief cornerstone into living stones that when they're fit together become strong and stable around one another. And when we're doing that, you know what we become? We become an entity that the gates of hell cannot prevail against if we're growing. But we got to step in to the growth. So God's activity of growth is is what He's doing in us as we respond to God's Word. Growth also in this construct is evidenced by fruit. What will we say to a child that we knew when they were in preschool and then we see them again when they're in like the third grade? We look at them and we go, Wow, you've gotten so big. Man, the evidence of natural, normal human growth is that you just grow bigger. When that's not happening, you know that there's something going on in that life that, that's not working like it's supposed to work. We're like, wow, you've gotten so big, and you've man, look how tall you are, and where did you get all that that little stuff on your chin? That's awesome, I've seen you because they're growing. There's evidence. Jesus tells us in John chapter 15 as he's on his way to be betrayed, they've left the upper room, they're on their way through the Kidron Valley, they're going to the garden there in Gethsemane where we learn from Luke that that, uh, Judas is going to show up, they're going to betray him. Jesus apparently finds or or maybe he sees a vine or or maybe he just uses the illustration but he says your relationship with me is like a vine and branches. He says in verse 4 of chapter 15 if you'll abide in me and if you're abiding in me then that means I'm abiding in you. If my arm is connected to my body then it is vitally connected each other there's things going on between them that are necessary for for this body arm situation to be in a healthy state he says if you're abiding in me well then I'm abiding in you he says uh, you you can't bear fruit you're as a branch you can't bear fruit by yourself unless you abide in the vine neither can you unless you abide in me I'm the vine verse 5 You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he or she it is that bears much fruit. Now, what is this fruit that Jesus is talking about? I think the fruit that he's referring to is his life being produced and evidenced in my life. What 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 is what is fruit? What is an apple on a branch? What's well, it's fruit? It's something you know that could be in a you know in a lunchbox or in a pie. But at its simplest way, it is evidence of what kind of tree that is. When Jesus is... is Let me back up. Jesus is going to be... When we are remaining vitally connected to Him, when we are stepping into what He's provided for us, when we, are, when we are obeying His command to grow and we're remaining connected to Him, then evidence of His life begins to pop out in ours. And the more vital we are in Him, the more connected and, and just... Embraced we are on, on who Christ is, the more fruit that's gonna be seen, the more fruit that's gonna be evidenced. And oh, by the way, he says in this passage, the more fruit you start showing, the more fruit the, the, the vine dresser's gonna want to bring out in you. And guess what that means? Clipping. What? I thought the more fruit meant the more blessing. It does, it's just blessing in the forms of clippers. He comes along, he clips you, and you're like, "I I didn't want to let go of that. He said, that's okay, you didn't need that. And the more he clips, the more there is room for more fruit. What? The life of Jesus being produced in me. You say, I don't get it. Well, Paul fleshes it out for us in the book of Galatians. He says, okay, let me me tell you the kinds of things that are going to be visible in you. We're just going to call them fruit that are produced by the Spirit of God as you connect yourself and you walk tightly and vitally with Jesus. He said, there are things like this. Say them with me if you know them. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. It's those things that can be true about us that God's, God's not going to expect us to generate patience because He knows just within ourselves, we can't do that. We don't have it within us. But, but it's not just about ourselves. We've got the person of the Holy Spirit. We've got the act of our Lord and Savior who is the vine, he says if you'll just lean into him, if you'll grab a hold of him and, and, and be willing to let go of anything that's keeping you from grabbing and staying connected to him, then he's going to produce that fruit of Christ's life in your life. And it'll be evidenced and everyone will see it. They'll be getting love from you when everywhere else they find hatred. They'll be getting patience for you from you where everywhere else they turn, they're getting frustration. They'll be experiencing gentleness instead of bullying. They'll be experiencing self-control rather than this temptation to always retaliate. And they'll turn to you and they'll go, why are you so different? And you'll say, let me tell you about Jesus bingo reach and teach so they can reach and t- you get it makes sense it's a circle it's a cycle grow he says it's god's activity in us as we respond obediently to him through his word it's evidenced by fruit and i just put in parentheses it's character it's conduct it's converts that are in our wake it's fruit and then the last part of the construct is that it is this idea of maturity. Let me give you another example. So the kid grows up from, from kindergarten to fourth grade, and you're like, wow, you've gotten so big. And then they get into middle school, and you go, not you've gotten so big, but my, you've become so annoying. I just really can't stand that kid, honey. Why, 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 why do they have to keep inviting him over to this? I can't, I, I really, I really, there, there's no one that I would want to be around less than that kid. Why? Because they're just annoying. Well, I was too in middle school, and so are you. And we can go, look, that kid, I don't know what that kid's gonna do. He's got to go away. And then just a few years later, can you think of a kid right now that, when they were in the middle school room, uh, middle school arena, you were just like, "Get away from me," and then they show back up after a few years, and you're just like, "Who are you?" I mean, you've you've become delightful. I mean, you're just you're not that kid that I used to know. I, 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 I would love to sit down and have a conversation with you. Come to my home anytime. How is that possible? What happens is your wife leans over and talks to you in your ear, and she says, because he's grown up a little. And we know grown up just is a is just country word for he's maturing. You know, they're not quite as annoying as they used to be. Why? Because they're they're not thinking with that deranged middle school mind anymore they're starting to put like things together like they're supposed to be love you middle schoolers but you're there just try to walk out they just they mature and you're like this is so cool that's why we should be patient with the middle schoolers. they're gonna grow up they're gonna grow up and and some men in their 20s are going to continue to grow up and maybe not be as annoying you said 30s, Chad. I didn't say I wasn't going that far. <laughs> There's something about maturity. So, spiritual growth is, is that idea. Is as we step in, as we embrace God's activity in us, evidence in fruit, and it brings about maturity. Paul says in the book of Colossians, his letter to the church there in Colossae, Paul says we're going to proclaim um, him, we're going to proclaim. Who is him? Well, if you look back in the verses previously, he, he's making an argument about Jesus. So he's referring back to you. And he's like, Jesus is who we're going to talk about. Jesus is who we're going to introduce people to. Him, we proclaim. And we're warning everyone. And we're teaching everyone with all wisdom. Not Paul's wisdom. God's wisdom. We're teaching them with all wisdom so that, I know the sow's not there, but so that we may present everyone mature. Now he's saying, I got folks that have walked with Jesus for... For a while and we've been pouring into them and we've been pushing them to grow in their faith and then we've been trying to teach them how to bring some of these others along. These got a long way to go and we got to walk with them we got to bring them along but you know what we're committed to doing we're committed to just keep on keeping on we're gonna keep telling them we're gonna keep instructing them we're gonna keep walking with them we're gonna keep pushing them to put this stuff to practice because it's our responsibility that everybody come to maturity not just a few But all y'all, if we can say it that way, that's our responsibility. It defines um, growth in others. You look at them and you go, why why do they always get mad at so and so when they, you know, they're they're in their life group and they always, you know, they work with them in that, that arena. They're always getting upset and take that. You back up and you go, well, probably it's because their spiritual maturity just hadn't caught up yet. They just haven't learned how to embrace the fact that I'm supposed to bear with you because I know you're bearing with me and we work together and and love conquers a multitude of sin. They just hadn't learned that yet. We're not going to throw them out with the trash. We're going to keep working with them. We're going to keep pouring that instruction and then pushing them to put that to work. It's one of the things I do anytime someone comes to me and says, Pastor Kevin, can I sit down and talk with you? And they'll tell me about who they're mad at. And I get it. We all get mad at it. But you know what I do? I take them through the Scripture. And I talk about how that just as easy as it is for you to get mad at them... They could be mad at you. And what God says is, is, look, as much as it depends on you in Romans, live at peace with everybody. Because all y'all are my kids, God says. And I'm raising you, and y'all are at different places. And you just got to learn to get along, even though you might want to do that. That's okay. It's what we call sacrificing for the needs of others. And it's one another, and I want you to do it. Yeah, you know, I might be why a lot of people don't come tell me why they're mad at folks. Because I don't just... I don't just say, well, you know, I understand why you're mad. No, let's talk about how that you can let go of that for the growth of the other. And what ends up happening is you grow yourself. Does that make sense? And so we define others, their their spiritual place by their maturity through their actions also defines our strategy. That's what we're going to keep doing. We're going to keep pushing toward maturity. So this construct of growth is it's God's activity in us. It's evidenced by fruit, the character of Christ. And it's going to define how we understand one another. And it's going to define how we push toward maturity. And I want to give you some ideas about commitment to growth. <laughs> See, this growth's not going to happen apart from God's Word. Second Timothy 4, 2, and it's not one that's on the screen. But Paul told Timothy, I'm about to, I'm about to be put to death, Timothy. You're going to have to keep this thing going for me. Here's what I want you to do. Preach the Word. Preach the Word when it's convenient. Preach the Word when it's not convenient. Preach the Word when that's what they want to hear. Preach the Word when that's not what they want to hear. Why? Because it is the Word that must be obeyed if we're going to be walking in obedience to God. I can't walk with God... And not obey his word. And it's walking with God in obedience to his word that's gonna bring about spiritual maturity and growth, and then they're gonna be able to more effectively reach and teach. So here's what we're committed to at Oasis Church we are committed to teaching you God's word in context, we are committed to explaining what God said through his word. We are committed to pushing you to apply God's Word in your daily life. We're committed to what God said, why He said it, and how it's supposed to affect our life. We're committed to that. That's why we start at the front of a book and push to the end. We want to mine out what God has said, what did He mean, and then how are we supposed to put this into practice. We're committed to that. We're committed to your growth, but ultimately, your growth depends on your investment in your growth. We're going to put it out there, we're going to set the table to the best of our ability, but ultimately, it's your job to sit down and eat. We can't make you do it, but we can push. And we can provide opportunities. Let me tell you about some things that we provide. Your spiritual growth, I break it down into to three things that you'll do. Number one, growing in, in your walk with Jesus will demand daily time in the Word and prayer. It just will. You, you can't get around it. You get away from God's Word, you get away from communicating with Him, it's going to stunt your growth. You'll be unhealthy and your growth will lessen, if not completely stop for a season. We provide tools for that as a church. We provide the Oasis Church app for both Apple and Google platforms. Look it up, Oasis Church WH and it'll pull up the little gray icon. That's our app. It's got some tools on there to help you engage with God's Word because from that app, you'll be able to find a tool that one of ours created. Grow My Walk. It'll give you a passage to read during the day and an opportunity to reflect on what that means and to keep up with your... It's right there on our app. You can follow that along. Some of you love version. I, I want you to keep using version. It's great. It's an app that gets you... And encourages you into the Word. But I've got another little thing that we're introducing to our students this year. This is a little more in-depth. This is called Quiet Time. It's Word of Life. It's a tool we're using in student ministry. And uh, what it is, is it's a daily devotional journal. It has a passage and an opportunity for you to work through it. You go, I don't need that. That's for kids. No, it's for teens and adults. We've got a number of students, a number of adults that want to use this It's a $20 resource. And what it would do is get you in the same passage. It starts on the 28th, so in just a couple of weeks. But if that's something that you go, you know what, I'd like, to, I'd like to be involved with the same passage, and, and I'd like to be involved with what's going on, then get involved. You can find that same passage, I believe. Through Grow My Walk, that, that I think he's connected to the quiet time. I believe Nathan is. Uh, so if you'd like to be connected to this, then find me or send me an email, pastor at say I want one of those. I'll order you one. Pay, give it 20 bucks, cover the cost, and you can walk with that as well. Because we need to be in God's Word. But not only that, we need to be taking deeper studies. Everyone should have received an email with an invitation to a tool called Right Now Media. If you didn't receive that, it's because I don't have your email or I didn't have you in that grouping and you need to let me know. I didn't get that email. Okay, cool. I'll find out and I'll send it to you. What that'll do is allow you to access hundreds and hundreds of Bible studies that you can use with your family, with your children. There's videos on there for your kids. The Veggie Tales, I think, is on there. All kinds of fun stuff, ways to engage with God's Word. We give you those tools. There's a, uh, an opportunity that Steve Clevenger's been taking advantage of. Y'all ask Steve about the Ridge uh, Bible Training Center. It's like seminary-level Bible training for the layperson. It's awesome. It is, it is fantastic. He's had a great time. I, I love the material. Y'all have gotten the material sometimes, didn't even know you were getting it, because I have it. And not only that, I help teach that particular program. That's something that you could get in where you're really going to start digging into the Scripture. But it's accessible to every person sitting in this room and watching online because you can do that. You don't have to go to seminary. You can get that teaching. You can come in your understanding of Jesus in a more deep way through that. And then we've all kinds of books and stuff that those of you who are readers, we'd love to be able to help you engage with God's Word and push you in that direction. But ultimately, you got to practically obey it. If you don't obey it, it ain't gonna matter. Whatever you know that you don't put to work is worthless. Whatever I know that I'm not applying, whatever I tell you that I'm not willing to do, is worthless for me. Work for you if you'll do it. But it's just knowing it's not enough. You got to put it to work. How long are we gonna do that? When do we reach maturity? When Jesus comes. When Jesus comes, He brings all that that's lacking. To completion. It's just like finishing the race, all of a sudden, whoop, we're done. Hey, how about that? We were a tiring race, but now we're at the finish line. We're growing, maturing, looking and sounding more like Jesus. What keeps you away from that? Some of us are stalled. We just kind of got a little bit lazy. Maybe a little bit distracted, maybe some life circumstances just kind of got us out of way. You know what we need to do? We just need to pick back up and just say, Lord, I've been gone for a little while, but I'm ready to come back. You know what you're going to find? Get in here. Get in. Here. Let's, let's go. Let's walk. Maybe we're stuck. Maybe we're trapped in something that we just can't seem to get out of. We might need a little help. You know that's what we're here for? To, to, to walk with. When you're stuck, you'll be able to be in a safe place where you can go, Pastor Kevin, I want, I want to be able to grow my faith, but you're just talking about being stuck. I'm stuck. Can we talk about that? All we need to talk about will get there, get you back on track. Maybe it is that you're satisfied. Well, I'm just, I'm, I'm liking where I'm at. Well, um, that's not a good place to be we've not been called to be satisfied. We've been called to mature. And none of us are there yet. So maybe that's something we need to confess and make a step back toward our Lord. Maybe it is that we are just um, controlled by sin. And because we're walking in sin, we don't want to spend time with Him. Well, those things need to be confessed, repented of, where you'll find restoration and re-engagement so that you can keep back walking with Him. I don't know where you're at. You know where you're at. But I know what I want. I want you to grow. And I know what God said. You, you got to grow. So let's move in that direction together today. What do you say? And then next week, we'll sit down and we'll have a lunch about what that might look like as we move forward. Agreed? Let's stand together. You know, it's possible that you showed up today and you're not a follower of Jesus. And if that's you, I want you to know I am so glad you're here. Because I know this, apart from Jesus, none of this is going to work. But guess what? Apart from Jesus, nothing else in life works either. It may seem to work for a minute, but it has no eternal value. And I want you to know the God who loves you, made you, and then provided the opportunity to save you. If you'll just simply respond to him. So if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, it's all about Jesus, and it's about trusting him and no other crucified in your place for your sin. I'd love to talk to you more about it before you leave, if you'll allow me that privilege. Christian, let's grow together. Let's be dedicated and committed to that end. Father, we thank you for the day. We thank you for your love. I thank you for those that are here, those that are watching. I pray that you'll use your word to enlighten our minds, to speak to our hearts and show us exactly where we are. If we're followers of your son, show us exactly where we are on this growth wheel. Are we stalled? Are we stuck? Are we satisfied? I pray that you'll give us a desire to want your word and then to put in the work to engage with it and then apply it obediently. God, I pray that you will, um, that you will push us in that arena of growth. Help us this week to be branches that bear fruit the life of Christ being lived out in us. God, you know those that are sick and at home and are in need physically, we pray that you would provide healing and and, uh, that you would bring them back to us. As soon as they're able, I pray for those that are going through trying difficult circumstances that you'll provide wisdom and grace. Those that need counsel, give them the courage to seek it out. God, those that need mercy, may we be ready to provide it to them as the hands of people.